The Boston Greeks podcast is here and ready to bring Greekness back. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Boston Greeks podcast and video show. We have an awesome, awesome episode today. We have a very special guest, somebody uh, we know, his family, his background, but I won't say too much. I'm going to put it over to my co-host, Fauti Stamos. Fauti, how are you, by the way? Good in yourself, hi. brother. I'm doing pretty good. I'm down in D.C. at the moment. We, you know, Boston Greeks, my heart is in Boston. I say it every time. It's never going to oh. be in D.C. <laughs> so oh, you, bring, you, bring, you bring Boston to D.C., let's put it that way. Yeah, I do. I, I yell at people. I cut them off. I beep at them. So it's fun. But uh, Foti, we have an awesome guest today, and I want you to kind of give us a little intro. Yes, absolutely. So for me, this is also uh, an episode that's dear to my heart, only because uh, our guest has been, uh, you know, not just a, a friend, but also a family friend, I should say, associate, a colleague, all of the above. But uh, let's introduce our guest, uh, Manny Fragedaki of 12 Points Wealth Management. Manny, thank you so much for taking the time, and welcome to the show. What the Ari, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I think what this podcast brings to the community is immensely important. I'm excited to dive in and provide resources and value wherever I can, but this is a fantastic start and I'm so happy to see that this is being brought to the community. Awesome. Thank awesome. You. We appreciate that. Ari and I was putting together what we call the A-list of all the individuals that we personally know in the Boston area that are doing great things and you are on that list at the top. Well, and Manny, we're going to talk about what honest, you're doing. Manny, to be honest, I, my list was just let's get the handsomest guys out there and <laughs> okay. it doesn't matter what they do but as long as they look good on camera that that was my first thing all right so manny made both lists <laughs> let's put it that way right? you guys are too kind <laughs> but what but before we dive into the uh interview with you manny we always like to ask all of our guests you know for our audience what city or town you grew up with which church did you attend were you involved in greek school sunday school goya yeah so i uh i grew up in westwood massachusetts my family moved there when I was about three years old from West Roxbury. Oh, okay. and, um, I grew up in the Rosendale Church, obviously, Fuffy, as you know, <laughs> good old Rosie, yes. where uh, Yabapu still live and our family still resides, which is great. And uh, I never did Goya, but I did do uh, Cathedral Greek School for the full allotment. And, um, you know, I did do some Sunday school, but, you know, what ended up occurring was I got more affiliated with the athletics uh, in the state level and in town, uh, town sports teams. So that pulled me away from Goya, you know, it's something that I regret. I wish that well, at this point I got to play Goya. That's still a, that's still a cool experience that you got to play sports in high school at that level. Mm-hmm. Not all of us got to do that, right, Ari? Oh, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was all over the place. Superstar. I, I I only played Goya basketball and I was on the bench most of the time, so <laughs> I, I don't know the full experience. And then as far as growing up uh, through that timeline, visits to Greece in the summer, were those a part of your upbringing? Yeah, so I believe the first time I made it to Greece was in 1997 and I was eight years old. That was the first family trip we went. Uh, and most of my, so my father immigrated here in the eighties from originally from Crete, but he lived in a few years in Athena before coming to Boston. Uh, my mom immigrated when she was about 12 years old from Karimnos. So we have a lot of relatives there, including my, uh, on my dad's side. It's just uh, a lot of people don't know this, but it's just my father and my uncle here 
our entire whole side of the family still oh, is wow. in Crete. Where, where in Crete was your dad? So my dad is originally from uh, a small village called Magarikari, which is technically part of Iraq. Oh, okay, okay. Because my, my mom is actually from Khanya. I didn't know if you guys were in the same area. No, but we go to Khanya a lot. We have a lot of friends over there. And now, candidly, when we go, we actually stay in the Oh, nice. So I went in 1997, and then you had a gap, obviously, with growing up and family dynamics. My father was focused on, you know, building his business. And then starting around when I was 14, again, we started going for a couple summers. And then I actually had a fairly large gap when I was in my uh, my late teens and early 20s. I wasn't really able to go to Greece. I was playing uh, Division One college football, which was a huge requirement. And uh, candidly, they didn't allow us to really travel, especially yeah. abroad. Um, they kind of wanted you on campus and using the training facilities and watching, working with the coaching staff. So that took me till I was about 22. Then I started my career. You know, luckily, I've been blessed to go to Greece the last six, seven years. Nice. Awesome. I think that's so important for us growing up that we le- we have that experience because it still in- keeps all of the um, the values of our culture close to us. Um, and it's what keeps the flame of, of Hellenism in us alive at our age, I would say. And hopefully we can do the same thing for the generations behind us. I completely agree. And I think that in some capacity, we kind of do lose our roots by being here. Because as you guys know, the Greek and the European way of life is so drastically different than what we do oh, on yeah. a day-to-day basis here. I think it's immensely 100%. important. And you know, one of the things is that you have, you have some great organizations that are really trying to connect Greek Americans that have never been to Greece or have lost touch with their roots to do a cultural experience mm-hmm. and go there for a few weeks so they can you know get reconnected and reintroduced to where they're from uh, and bring those values back home. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think of my son and I'm like, am I going to be able, is it going to be like when I was growing up, am I going to be able to go to Greece in the summer, bring my son? Like, it seems just so much more difficult. And I don't know if that's times are changing. I don't know if it's just me personally, but I really want him to have that experience because when I think back, if I didn't have those experiences going to Greece, I mean, I'd be a totally different person. And like you said, I think it's very, very important for anybody who can, you know, to have the the will and the power to go and take your kids when you have them, if you have them, and give them that experience because that it molds you. We're molded by these trips. And I, I really feel like I am who I am because of it. Fati, for example, our passion to do like these types of things, would we have that passion if we've never been to Greece? Right. Sure. I, I think there's something to be said about that. It's the energy... It's, you know, that capturing moment when you're there that you bring it back with you. It's one thing to say it, but I think it's another to feel it when you're there. And Manny also mentioned on the opposite side, aside from going to Greece, when we're here, there's organizations, there's the church, there's all sorts of like relationships and camaraderie. We have a community, which again, that's another important thing. We're lucky we're in Boston and we had this. And I think, Manny, you're part of like a lot of stuff I was reading about you. So, you know, you kind of get it and that's important, right? You feel that that's something that people should be part of. It's extremely important. It connects all of us and the community is only as strong as the bond from one person to the other and lifting each other and supporting each other. And you only do that by being being reintroduced to the culture and the people that have those same values as you. Right. You know, as we know, we all get busy. And if you, you know, even take a couple months away, it doesn't take long to completely forget about it. Yeah. So for me, it's really important to constantly be engaged, to constantly have a pulse on the community and to constantly see how we can help and benefit. 
so Manny, tell us the, the, the journey that, that was started as soon as you finished uh, your studies at Bryant College. Yeah, Bryant University, yeah. You decided so, not to go to the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> I wish, I wish. It I would have a lot more in my bank account right now if I did. <laughs> I hear you. But, probably some more time off. But you still decided to take an interesting road, which I think is pretty fascinating. So I'd love for you to take us uh, on that journey from the completion of your studies at Bryant College. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, I had a, I was fortunate enough to go to a really good school um, with really good professors and really good academics and really good coaching sessions um, in terms of career engagement and opportunity. So I felt like that set me up right from the get-go, but it opened the door for me to uh, at least navigate towards the career I wanted to. I always knew I wanted to be in finance in some capacity. I was lucky enough to get an internship at Morgan Stanley my junior year, and luckily enough that they invited me back for another internship. And then shortly after I graduated, I started my career there. Um, they actually hired me pretty much four days after I received my diploma. I thought I was going to get a summer off <laughs> enjoyment, but it didn't really work out that way. So I was thrown right into the fire, but it was a blessing. I was able to connect with a really great team there. I was able to get some serious industry knowledge. It's pretty much near impossible to enter this industry without having some big firm background. So it, it drastically, immensely helped me in terms of understanding the material and gaining the knowledge that I use daily now to help my current clients. But I worked there for about four or five years. I had a really good team. I had really good mentors, people that were doing some serious business all across the world. And what became really evident at that period of time, and this is, you know, it's a cultural issue, especially when you're with these big firms, that it became extremely evident that they cared more about their shareholders than their actual client. So the return on their stock versus what their performance was for their clients and essentially pushing products that weren't in the client's best interest, but on the opposite side, paid them the most commission. So it was a huge void in my mind and a huge liability for my future career that I needed to address. The industry trend clearly showed that advisors were leaving as well as clients were leaving, and we wanted to be on the forefront of it. At the same time, a very large client came into our office and asked us to take over his corporate retirement plan. Now, when you work in finance, there's multiple different sides of the industry you can work on. But from the corporate perspective, and this came back, this was put into place after the Studebaker case decades ago, where a number of employees of a large pension plan lost everything due to mismanagement of assets from the company. Imagine massive liability and massive lawsuits occurred after the fact. So what ended up occurring is the retirement industry brought in what was called a fiduciary standard, meaning that you were legally required to act in the best interest of your clients. The big firms work on a suitability standard, meaning that they could provide two to three decent options, but not provide the one that's in your best interest. So when we decided to take on that side of the industry, we, it became very evident that we needed to go private on our own, become a small boutique firm that took the liability off of our client's plate and the company's plate. So there was a number of factors that led to that decision, but essentially I left about six months earlier than my partners. Uh, Morgan Stanley didn't blink an eye just due to the fact that I was young and I had a small book of business at that time. Uh, and I told them that I was leaving to go work for my family business, which they were totally fine. Obviously, I went and found office space the next day. I hired a FINRA attorney. We went through what's called broker protocol. And my other partners resigned six months later on March, on May 31st. And we were open for business as 12 points on June 1st. So, oh, it was, it, yeah, it was an exciting six months. There was a lot of nerves going around. Uh, the first two years were, frankly, extremely 
extremely stressful to get to becoming profitable and attracting clients. And frankly, I was only 26 years old at the time when that occurred. I had a lot of lack of faith on, you know, being able to generate high accounts at such a young age. So the first two years were extremely stressful, but then we made the jump and closed year three and, you know, we were able to bring on some more people. So the original team started with four people, but fast forward to today, we're a team of about 17 people with two offices and we've continued to grow. You know, I think a lot of it is due to just always doing what's in the best interest of the client at all times, being transparent, honest, and communicating. Good for you. So listen, once we become profitable, we're coming to you. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, we're here to help everyone. And one of the things that we designed on purpose is that our our client threshold completely ranges. Our smallest client has $25,000 with us. Our largest client has north of $30 million with us. It ranges the gambit, but for us, and this is where the community side comes into play is we're not ever going to be big enough where we can't say that we can't help you. We think that everybody deserves help no matter what their asset threshold is. It was really to provide a benefit for the community by not making, by not implementing a minimum investable amount. Nice. Bravo, Manny. I love hearing stuff like that. You're like, you're like the the opposite of Wolf of Wall Street. You're the opposite Wolf. (laughs) I think that, you know, I had a different upbringing, you know, my, uh, my family came here with nothing and I watched my dad start a business with one truck, with one van and just with hard work and dedication. And what I really learned from him more than anything else and I think what is true about Costas Provision is you'll find better pricing. You'll probably, uh, you could probably find better products in some capacity, but you won't beat us mm-hmm. on service. Well, you know what? Just real quick, just in case people don't know, your family business, Costas Provisions, and just give us like a brief of Costas Provisions, just in case anybody's listening that doesn't know. Yeah. So we're a food distribution company located in the Boston area, uh, right in on the Dorchester Roxbury line. And primarily we service about, I would say, 70% of the New England pizza market. And that's kind of our bread and butter. So for years, we've been able to provide these restaurants and shops with everything that they could potentially need from cleaning supplies to toilet paper to pizza sauce and dough and everything else that they need for their operation to run. So that's that company was started in the mid 80s. Uh, my father is still running it to this day and it's doing well and it's providing a great benefit to the community. And frankly, luckily enough, lucky to have some amazing clients and people that have worked with us for over 30 years. And they've become, you know, not only friends, but they've become family. Um, and there's not anything that we wouldn't do for them. I also want to make a quick comment that I, in in my opinion, I think it was because of cost provisions that the, um, that category of food service businesses exploded in New England because of the support that cost provisions provided for so many places to open up and kind of given the backbone and support to get through it. So, I mean, when you think about New England pizza industry in New England, what percentage are owned by folks that you service, right? It's, I think it's in a couple thousand, right? And that's huge that um, there's at least in every town in New England, I'd say Massachusetts, Rhode Island, probably New Hampshire, there's got to be a Greek owned pizzeria Mm -hmm. that your company has serviced. That's huge. It's amazing. I I was going to say like my dad, unfortunately passed away in, 87 but he was a pizza guy and good friends with your dad and i used to hear about it when i was like really little that's probably even before you were born and uh everybody has a story i mean you guys are 
part of that Greek community. I mean, not only part, but like a building block of the Greek community. So it's yeah. awesome to hear about this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, it's not something we take lightly. And it's something that I've, you know, had a chip on my shoulder and we've always wanted to continue that um, and to be, you know, to continue to be a pillar in this community to support others, because frankly, we've been extremely be lucky and we've benefited from this environment and we want to help as many people as we possibly can, whatever that requires. And we've talked about this before. I mean, I think that Boston is so unique because we have such a strong Greek community, mm -hmm. but we need to work together. And I think that if we could lead by example, I think that things change and we have stronger roots and we are here to support each other. But, you know, it also benefited me from the standpoint that frankly, I was able to make this jump, um, having that entrepreneurial background and more importantly, having a safety net where I said, frankly, a lot of people my age aren't able to do it because they don't know how they're going to pay their rent if something doesn't go right, mm -hmm. or they don't know, you know, what's next if they have to close shop and file bankruptcy. For me, I had a safety that I could, you know, if this didn't work out, I could cover my losses and I could go sell shave steak. So it was a little bit of a different for me, but it was a blessing. You know, it allowed me to actually take the leap and I will forever be grateful for that. And you know what, just listening to you, you know, a lot of people in your position, many that I know myself are just these kind of self-entitled, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least thankfully you have a very good head on your shoulders and you realize where your blessings are and where they're not and you work hard and whether you have everything in the world or nothing like that head on your shoulders that I'm hearing right now, I see very good things for you. I mean, for you to, to be able to get to this point with your hard work to understand that, you know, you're lucky where other people aren't and all that stuff. It, it shows me a lot of maturity on that end. Thank you. And uh, Manny, you just, you know, you just mentioned challenges. And obviously right now we're all going through some very interesting challenges with the times that we're living in. And I'm so many people have been affected on different levels, whether it's their career, their profession, uh, their family life and so forth. Any tips and financial tips and advice you can give us during these times that we're in that you might want to mention to our audience? Yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to ever ask questions. You know, none of us are, you know, we, we're lucky enough to be expertise as humans in some capacity in a field that we study, but by no means do we know everything. And there's frankly a lot of people out there that are highly successful at, at other traits, but you know, they might not be great at their finances. So for me, the first message is don't be afraid to ask a question. For us, we don't even get to client engagement until the fourth or third meeting. So we're here to offer advice to put strategic planning in place before we even sign and say, you know, this is works. For us, I only have the bandwidth to serve a certain amount of clients at a certain period of time. So it's got to be just as much a fit for them as it is for us. Sure. But the first point is don't be afraid to ask a question. There's always something that could be done that might materially improve your life, not now, but in the future. Um, one of the things going on right now is what I would say is if you haven't taken advantage of refinancing a loan or your mortgage or anything like that, I would seriously consider doing it because I don't think that interest rates will ever go much lower than where they presently are. Just doing good financial behavior and taking opportunity, you know, when you do have some free time to say, hey, are my assets structurally appropriately? Should my house be in a trust? There's a million things that you could look at that are completely out side of, did I buy Tesla or did I buy this particular security? That's only a small portion of, you know, what is capable in this industry. And if you're speaking or working with someone that is only talking to you about the return of your portfolio, you're probably working with the wrong firm or individual. But there's, you know, there's a plethora of things that, uh, you know, people can look at. We have a number of resources that we do. Um, we do a different webinar every month on a different financial topic that gets blasted out to 10,000 people. And it's ranging from, I have a new daughter. Should I be 
looking at a 529 plan. Uh, you know, what's the appropriate mortgage for me? You know, everyone thinks about life insurance, but what about disability insurance? You know, what if the worst doesn't happen, but the worst is you can't work for two years? You know, there's a number of things that we can look at that greatly affect the person's life. And frankly, right now, because everyone's working from home, perfect time to take a look at this stuff. Because when you're in the office and you're running around and you're picking kids up from soccer practice, it's a little bit more of a difficult environment to, you know, focus and hone in and gather the information that's required. So do you see an uptick in activity in business because the fact that we're kind of, you know, going, you know, subject to staying at home more often, people working from home? It's hard to tell because we've had a great, we had a great 2020 and even fourth quarter for us was amazing. I think we were up 14% in terms of new business. Nice. And we've hit the ground running in 2021. Now, I don't know if that's due to people having more free time and having a chance to take a second look and say, hey, maybe I, maybe I should get a second opinion. Or if it's just years of momentum, you know, when I got into this industry and I built this firm, it was clearly evident from all the marketing material that I went through that it usually takes about two to three years to build something before you could expect turnaround mm-hmm. uh, and for that snowball effect to occur. So I think it's probably a combination of the two, the years of doing the right thing and putting ourselves out there in the community. And then, you know, frankly, just giving it time for them to, to reciprocate. And you mentioned 2021, anything in the pipeline new for 12 points in uh, wealth management that you might want to uh, let us know if you have anything new, anything that's uh, exciting that uh, you l- want our audience to know? Yeah, I mean, so we're a fast growing firm and we're going to continue to grow. So for me this year, we're going to add probably another one to two to three people in key roles and continue to grow this. Frankly, my one of my business partners wants to make this a national brand. It's as big as possible and take it just take it outside of Boston. So we're on a very strong growth path. So for us, is just continuing that. We've been lucky enough to be ranked as one of the fastest growing companies in the country by Inc. 5000 for the last two years. So um, we just want to continue that growth rate and continue to help as many people as we can by doing the right thing. Awesome. How about us? You know, you also um, mentioned that you you host one of your own podcasts. Well, I haven't yet. It's very oh. it's very in the inception stage. So right, okay. I'm, just, I'm just getting it going right now. As you guys are aware, I've been doing uh, a spot on Grecian Echoes for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a live radio show that airs Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Now, frankly, that is mostly just market talk, kind of updating the community on what we see out there in terms of risk or opportunity uh, and talking about general things that are you know occurring in the economy and for a lack of a better term, dumbing it down. Because unfortunately, in my industry, people try to make themselves sound really smart, words that are not necessary. So gotcha. I think it's important to be able to communicate to our our community you know, about what really is going on in a, in a language that they can understand. Yeah. So my idea is to launch a financial podcast uh, that caters to business owners and things that are important to them uh, from tax mitigation to legacy planning to, you know, understanding when is the right time to buy or sell your business. So a lot of things, you know, frankly, not many advisors can speak the same way that I can just because I'm living it. You know, I'm doing it for my own family. We're doing our own legacy planning, transition planning, finance planning in terms of how the business can grow or acquire. I live and breathe this stuff every day. So it's very easy for me to say, hey, this is what worked. This is what we did. And this is what it meant for me and my siblings. Very cool. So So that's that's the idea behind the podcast is to provide a a value oriented platform to provide content to these people. So they have a trusted source to go to, whether it's us or not, at least they have the information and the questions that they should be asking. Can you make sure to have have Fati's smooth voice do the intro for you guys? Yeah, yeah, well, I think 
I think a lot of synergy here and, you know, we could, we could definitely combine these two. And if you guys need more content, I'm happy to just throw it on your podcast. Yeah. Well, oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Frankly, have you guys guess, cause I would love to talk about your personal businesses on there because sure. clearly yeah. business owners and entrepreneurs. Absolutely. We'd love Amazing. that. Yeah. So, so how cool. can people find out more information unless Ari, you have another question? You know what? I have a lot of questions, but this is what I'm going to say. I say we have Manny back, you know, maybe we could do like a series of things and maybe even you do it every week live on the radio you're gonna eventually have your own podcast so maybe we could uh get it get it rolling uh you could just do a, a recurring appearance with us and then morph it over to yours it'll be really cool i would love that i think awesome. that's a great idea ari cool so what were you gonna say? i was gonna mention uh, if, if manny you can tell us uh how can our guests mm-hmm. uh, and audience find out more information about your services contact all that good stuff yeah so actually about two weeks ago we launched our new website uh which is 12pointswealthmanagement.com rebranded with new content on there and we're it's still obviously in inception stages but there will be more stuff coming to that website soon but we did just launch it so it's a great place for people to learn about us as a firm me as an individual with all our contact information there's a bunch of different tools out there you can fill out for a free analysis you can provide information to us um, it's a really robust platform so we're excited about it I'm very very connected on LinkedIn um, so I post a lot of content on there I posted an article this morning about you know what should go into a diversified portfolio last week I posted an article about a lot of people that have mortgages, but have seen the markets rise over the last couple of years are considering, hey, should I look to pay off my mortgage or should I continue to do the minimum and use those outside assets to invest? So we wrote a great article talking about the pros and cons of doing that. So connect with me on LinkedIn. We put a lot of good content out there that's completely free and value add. So that's another place where people can reach out to me. We're on Facebook as a firm and myself as an individual. And my cell phone is out there. It's listed on my business card. It's listed on the website. Frankly, it's it's on me, obviously, 24-7, and people use it 24-7. So I'm one of those people that I don't hide my contact information. I'm not one of those people that says you can only contact me from 9 to 4 or 9 to 5 on business days. In my mind, business goes 24 hours a day. So people could always reach out to me and just ask me candid questions over the phone. All right, Manny, 3 a.m. tonight, I am calling you. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? Um, (laughs) That's awesome, Manny. uh, Very impressive, man. And, uh, you know, I knew I knew a little bit about you. Uh, I learned a lot more and all the way impressive. Like I said before, I don't like to correct our guests, but I'm going to I'm going to correct you on one thing. Uh, we said the NFL and you said that your bank account would have been a little bigger, but I think you're playing the long game. And I think your bank account will, will bury the rest of these NFL guys in the long term. So I'm just going to correct you there. Thank you. <laughs> hey, look, at the end of the day, my body's already beaten up. For that, so thankfully, I'm now saving it. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Alfati, any closing thoughts? Well, as we mentioned, uh, it, it's been a pleasure having you on, Manny. Um, it's always a pleasure being around you and the family, but this is another um, great opportunity to be with you. Um, a lot of great stuff, very valuable information, even though it was just a 30-minute spread, because for me, what you're providing is a peace of mind, in a sense, for all of us. Mm-hmm. So we definitely want to have you back for sure. Any last-minute comments that you'd like to add, Manny, before we close up? Guys, I think, that, again, I said this at the beginning, but I think it's great, and I would love to be as small involved as much as you guys would have me you know this is a terrific benefit to the community and i really hope that folks engaged and i'm um, candidly i'm going to think of some names and put them in front of you guys because i think there's good people you can have on this show definitely um, definitely you build this out so our community gets stronger Thanks to you guys this is extremely exciting Thank thanks you. man we we appreciate your time we appreciate everything you brought to the table here we appreciate everything you're doing uh we're going to
going to link all your stuff in the podcast and the video show. We're going to see you back here. Everybody, uh, like you said, you could listen to him on Grecian Echoes, uh, the website. Again, we're going to link it. You'll be seeing this guy. I-, I know that he has big things ahead. He's already done great things at such a young age. Thank you so much, Fati. We appreciate you co-hosting. And like I said, mm-hmm. that smooth voice just soothes everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to see you guys next time. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. And we are out. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.